We continue to see a lot of security-driven projects around AD for you know, probably obvious reasons given what's in the news every day, but a lot of things around implementing tiered access controls, privileged access workstations, just-in-time access, three of the kind of the big security themes. And then we tend to also just see all of remediation projects where someone's had you know, AD potentially for almost 24 years at this point, uh, and maybe it's been paid attention to, maybe it hasn't, but there's uh, there's potentially a lot of you know, cleanup and hardening that can happen there to, uh, to get your house in order. Mobile workforces, cloud applications, and digitalization are changing every aspect of the modern enterprise. And with radical transformation come new business risks. Welcome to Hybrid Identity Protection, the premier podcast for cybersecurity pros charged with defending hybrid identity environments. Presented by Semperis, the pioneers of identity-driven cyber resilience for the hybrid enterprise. And now, here's your host, 15-time Microsoft MVP and Active Directory security expert, Sean Duby. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HIP Podcast. A friend of mine long ago introduced me to the phrase, going to Gemba. Gemba in Japanese means the actual place. A translation of this could be, go to the place where value is created the factory floor, a construction site, to see where the problems are and get information from the people working there. In our world, that means talking to the people working with identity in general and Active Directory in particular, day in and day out. So my guest today, my returning guest, is Brian Desmond, principal of Ravenswood Technology Group. Ravenswood provides services on Microsoft identity and security technologies, both on-premises and in the cloud. Hey, Brian, how's it going? It's going good. It's good to uh, good to be on with you again. I thought I would start and sort of find out, you know, what all is going on in your world, what seems to be hot, what's not quite so hot, uh, and maybe some little insights from the work that your team is doing. Um, maybe let's start, I guess, from on-premises and work our way up. So if I start from on-premises, let's just start with Active Directory. And I'm curious as to what you've been seeing around the perennial topic of Active Directory hardening and Active Directory consolidation, which has been going on since approximately one month after Active Directory came out. Um, but you know there are different reasons driving it at different times. What's, what's going on in that space? Yeah, I mean, we continue to see a lot of security-driven projects around AD for you know probably obvious reasons, given what's in the news every day. But a lot of things around implementing tiered access controls, privileged access workstations, just-in-time access, three of the kind of the big security themes. And then we tend to also just see all-up remediation projects where someone's had you know AD potentially for almost 24 years at this point, uh, and maybe it's been paid attention to, maybe it hasn't, but there's uh, there's potentially a lot of you know, cleanup and hardening that can happen there to, uh, to get your house in order. We know it's a lot of work to do an AD cleanup and to do AD consolidations. What are you finding that's out there in the field in terms of AD skill set? Or actually, let me back up and ask the question from what is it security findings that are driving these questions? Or is it operational reliability? Or is it just simply not understanding what they have after all this time? I think, you know, and maybe I, it's the lens that I look at it through, but for the most part, it's not so much operational reliability. People are, are pretty good at uh, running this thing, you know, decades later, but we are seeing 
outcomes from security audits. We're seeing pressure from cyber risk carriers that are getting a little smarter about where they're where they're seeing exposure. And we're seeing people just realize through, you know, kind of the industry grapevine that they have this thing that they need to pay attention to. Right. So that's interesting. So there's some of what's driving it are uh, in cyber insurance applications as the cyber insurance company are getting savvier and savvier about infrastructure. Yeah, we're, we're certainly seeing that as a, you know, as incidents occur and there's uh, claims and payouts and so forth that happen, the, you know, those carriers are getting, getting a little smarter about that exposure and how they can reduce it. Some of it you're seeing is proactive and some of it is reactive. Do you have any feel for what the percentage of that is? What the spread of that is, in other words? Uh, I don't know that I really know what the spread is, but obviously we would prefer for it to all be proactive. But the reality is that uh, when things happen, money has a way of, of coming out of the woodwork. Right, right. Yeah, that's absolutely one way of, of getting that done. In the projects that you have, one of the things that uh, I wonder about and you know, I've sort of been seeing, but I'm curious as to your perspective on this, is the skill set of the AD team, uh, as it goes on, you know, we sometimes see organizations where and quite understandably there, you know, it's the second generation or maybe even the third generation or more of people that are maintaining that AD and they don't frankly understand what a lot of it's for and they're afraid to touch it. Are you seeing that? Yeah. I mean, you know, you think about how long it's, it's been around in some organizations to your point about generations. Um, you know, that that new generation is coming. And I think the other issue we're seeing is that skill set or the talent needed to to operate and run not just AD, but many traditional on-premises services isn't what, you know, some of the newer workforces is, is both A, coming to work with, or B, really wanting to invest in, in growing their skill set around. The, the COBOL corollary. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, okay. You, we've talked about Active Directory on-premises, but there's another really big security system uh, on-premises, and that is PKI. And what people have been paying attention to in PKI, and if if there has been a lot of, of focus on PKI security or not, what are you what are you seeing in that area? We're seeing people are suddenly paying a lot more attention to it. You know, I think there's there's kind of two buckets of PKI that we've seen, at least in the, the Windows Sense Active Directory Certificate Services, which is, has been there uh, since since the beginning as well and is, is tightly integrated with AD in that, you know, there's organizations that very consciously designed and deployed it and did, you know, very good job doing so and doing so in a hardened manner. But then there's a huge swath of organizations who someone stood up a certificate server because they needed some certificates. And it turns out that that default installation isn't necessarily the, the most secure. And there was, uh, there was a white paper put out uh, I think about 18 months ago, um, like 150 pages or so of research that had a whole series of methods where you could compromise uh, compromise an ADCS deployment and escalate yourself all the way to domain admin. And since then, various open source tools that automate that discovery and ex, you know actually exploiting that have also come about, which makes it now this this gold mine for people that are that are attacking AD. Well, certainly anyone that's looked at the PKI deployment books back when we had physical books 
if you weren't reading them, you could hold your door open with them because it was, there was so much to it. So what you're saying is uh, a lot of organizations just had to get, get it done. And they, they took their best guess at it and move forward. And once that's at PKI is deployed, you can't just kind of easily change a lot of it. Right. Yeah, that's, that's exactly accurate. I mean, there, there's a set of things, some of these findings that are, that are very easy to fix. But then there's others that that are not so easy to fix and can, you know, involve standing up new new parts of the PKI and then there's not really a great migration path there, so it, it becomes uh, becomes a bit of an undertaking. So deploying new certificate authorities, in other words, starting from scratch. Exactly, and the the supporting infrastructure that you need to do it right. Oh gosh, uh, is there is there any kind of guidance out there where they can, or listeners can look at their own PKI infrastructures and go, "Uh oh, like a, is there a purple night for PKI yet?" There are uh, a couple tools. Uh, the the actual white paper that that a lot of this came out of called, was called Certified Pre-owned, and it came from came from Spectre Ops, and then they they published a open source tool on GitHub that can analyze an existing AD environment and let you know which of those vulnerabilities uh, apply to you. And then there's some other ones, um, for example, one called Locksmith that's available on on GitHub as well. That's a, a PowerShell script that, that can identify a lot of these vulnerabilities. And protecting your tier zero infrastructure, whether it's on-prem or in the cloud, your company does a lot with privileged access workstations and pause to, as I said, to, to run critical infrastructure. And is that, that business is continuing? Is that, are you still seeing a demand for that? That business is definitely continuing and we, we continue to see quite a bit of demand for it. Um, we've also seen it evolve to not just be about managing critical on-premises infrastructure, you know, AD being the, the classic example, but also managing, important infrastructure in the cloud. So those people that have global admin in your Azure AD or Office 365, for example. Is that typically done with a, a workstation that you that you build and put together in front? Or is there a way to do this in Azure as well? So ultimately it's it's the pause being useful is all about them having this concept of a clean keyboard. So where everything starts has to be from a, an endpoint that you trust, which means ultimately it's it's a piece a well-configured piece of hardware a, a laptop now whether you directly manage things from that laptop or maybe you go through a trusted intermediary like a, a vdi for example is a, a different discussion but at the end of the day you still need that that well-managed uh you know laptop that is the 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 root of trust if you will for your administrative work so yeah so because ultimately no matter how virtualized an infrastructure is there still has to be a set of key fingers on a keyboard is that what you're saying yeah, and also there is, we have definitely seen scenarios where someone's uh, productivity laptop, the one they use for their day-to-day work, is, is compromised, and the attacker is able to use that to exert control over their administrative session. Right. They use a keylogger or other some other kind of malware to extract credentials. Exactly. So what you're saying is the pause got a physical component, but it also has obviously... Uh, a virtual component is: Are there ways to do that in Azure to create the virtual paw that you're that you're remoting into? Uh, yeah. So w- what we've done in the past, where we want to have the paw be more of a 
thin client, if you will, is we, we've set up a, a secure VDI environment using Azure Virtual Desktop that, that can only be connected to via pause. And we use things like conditional access to make sure that's the case. Um, and then from, from that, that Azure Virtual Desktop ABD environment, people are able to, to do their work. Uh, do their work, and in some cases, that can be easier to manage than deploying software and so forth to the pause themselves. Right, right, okay. Then, and we had talked about this beforehand. Also, you're seeing popularity with, uh, I guess you call it desktop as a service, right? So, Azure Virtual Desktop or uh, Windows 365. I've not really looked into Windows 365 very much, though. I've seen plenty of advertising for it. Yeah, we've definitely seen an uptick in people that are that are interested in these, you know, kind of desktop as a service or cloud hosted VDI environments for a, a variety of use cases. Um, Microsoft has a, a couple offerings. Azure Virtual Desktop is essentially their uh, their VDI offering, where you you can kind of customize it and configure it however you want. It runs as infrastructure in Azure. Um, because it has a lot more, a lot of knobs, there's there's a lot more complexity to managing it. Um, whereas Windows 365 is a essentially a flat price per user per month, where they get this persistent desktop that they can connect to based on your conditional access policies from anywhere. And depending on which you know edition of you use, some uh, networking magic happens. Um, behind the scenes where it's actually plumbed into your Azure networking so it can connect to applications, on-premises workloads and so forth. But ultimately it's much more, uh, while they're both PaaS services, Windows 365 is much more on the kind of the PaaS end of the PaaS scale in terms of uh, uh, being a platform that's that's much more configured and much less customized. Right, right. So it's designed for turn it on and use it and your requirements are lighter in terms of specialization, oh, I, I, I have to have X, Y, and Z, then you need to be looking at Azure Virtual Desktop and everything around that. I would imagine that Azure Virtual Desktop is also quite a bit more expensive because you have a lot to stand up or service up, I guess. You know, I think the cost varies by how you're using it. For example, Windows 365, there's a per user per month cost, and Microsoft's recently rolled out some some optimizations there for frontline worker scenarios, where if you have three shifts, for example, you're out, you're only paying for the concurrency of the sessions versus paying for that desktop for 24 hours a day when it's only being used eight of those hours. Um, so depending on whether people are using it every day, all day, or they're just using it at very special you know, point in time, that, that cost optimization, there's some, there's some math to be done there to figure out what the right one is. Yeah, so the other thing with, you know, we've seen a couple of use cases lately around AVD is you can also do things like provision uh, hosts that have GPUs in them. So you can give people access to very specialized like scientific or engineering or construction applications that require substantial hardware um, that, that might be cost prohibitive to, to bundle into a, a laptop or a desktop, especially if they only use it, you know, infrequently. Right. So expanding their expanding their set of use cases beyond your basic knowledge worker. Right. So but more than just running you know, Word and Excel. One of the areas that we talked about was around management, uh, specifically around client management and I suppose server management as well. Um, and you said that you've seen some uh, you've seen some activity in, in that area. What's going on with that? 
think, you know, and maybe I, it's the lens that I look at it through, but for the most part, it's not so much operational reliability. People are, are pretty good at uh, running this thing, you know, decades later, but we are seeing outcomes from security audits. We're seeing pressure from cyber risk carriers that are getting a little smarter about where they're, where they're seeing exposure. And we're seeing people just realize through, you know, kind of the industry grapevine that they have this thing that they need to pay attention to. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate your insight. It's interesting to always to see what is current and what is being driven. It sounds like as a sort of a summary, a lot of it's being driven by security. Big surprise. Yeah, we're, we're certainly seeing that as a, you know, as incidents occur and there's uh, claims and payouts and so forth that happen. The, you know, those carriers are getting getting a little smarter about that exposure and how they can reduce it. Well, Brian, thanks for making it uh, today. I thought the topics were very interesting. Hopefully the listeners will find it as well. It's gone good. It's good to, uh, good to be on with you again. Thanks for joining us on the Hybrid Identity Protection Podcast with Sean Doobie. Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Visit hipconf.com, that's H-I-P-C-O-N-F.com to learn about upcoming events, view expert presentations, and take part in the conversation.